Once again, good day to you and good evening uh, to you. We'll continue for this part of our worship this evening. We will continue our focus on the obedient mind. The obedient mind. This time, this evening, our focus will be Philippians 2 and beginning in verse 5. If you want to read that together with me. Philippians 2, uh, beginning in verse number 5. Let's read that together. And then we'll do just a couple of introductory uh, remarks, and then we'll get right into our, our ideas. Uh, Philippians 2, beginning verse 5, Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count the equality with uh, being on the equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, and um, being born in likeness of men, he found himself in human form, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient uh, to death, even the death of the cross. Uh, wherefore, God has highly exalted him and uh, given him a name that is above every name, uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God uh, the Father. The testimony about Jesus is not just found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It may have been well-meaning years ago to start putting the words of Jesus in red, but it's very misguided because all of the New Testament is a testimony uh, to Jesus Christ. The representatives of Christ uh, carry as much weight as the words of Jesus as, as, um, as the words of Jesus. Okay. That is, those who wrote the remainder part of the New Testament, uh, their words carry as much weight as the words of Jesus himself. The Lord set it up this way. Luke 10 verse 16, he says to his apostles, he that hears you hears me. He that rejects you rejects me, and he that rejects me rejects him who sent me. Uh, that's why later on uh, the Apostle Paul would say, 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and 37, he would say, uh, the things that I write unto you, these are the very commandments of the Lord. These are the very commandments of the Lord. And so this testimony about Jesus in Philippians is just as strong as the words of Jesus himself. It's important for us to remember that in living for Christ, we continue an obedient life for him. It's a continual obedient mind for him. We could spend a great deal of time just exalting the person of Jesus Christ from this passage here. This is an overwhelming passage when it comes to just thinking about Jesus coming to this earth and the great mission uh, that he had. But we want to focus on the obedient response we should have to Jesus uh, in our time together uh, this evening and seeing what this passage has to say to us in regard to our own obedience, our own obedience to Jesus. We want to dive deeper into obedience. You know, Paul says in 
Romans 6 and verse 17, that we ought to obey from the heart. Obey from the heart. We've got to make sure we're doing that very thing. Are we obeying from the heart? Here in Philippians uh, chapter 2, once again, if you notice in verse 12, <coughs> verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he's, he's saying, you have obeyed when I have been around and I've been in close proximity to you. But now even in my absence, even much more, I want you to continue to obey, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We haven't arrived yet when it comes to obedience. We have no room whatsoever to become smug or to think we've, we've, we're at the end of our road as far as obedience goes. It is a life of growing. It's a life of serving. It's a life of obeying uh, the Lord. And so let's notice a few thoughts together. I want to approach these thoughts about obedience under one word, and that's the word choice. That's the word choice. Okay. One reason is because notice at least a couple times here concerning Jesus, that as he made his way to the earth, it says, for one thing, he humbled himself. Humbled himself. No one was forcing him to come. It was a choice that he made. Again, it says here uh, in the English Standard Version, it says, he emptied himself. And King James says, he made himself of no reputation. This is a, in other words, this is a choice that he made. He made. You might recall concerning his life in John 10, 17, and 18, Jesus said, No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. Jesus gave himself up on the cross. And so if we're going to follow his model, then our obedience to him must be a choice as well. As his obedience to the Father was a choice, personal choice, so... Our obedience to him must be a choice. And so therefore, if we, if we um, approach it as a choice, then what kind of choice is it? So that's where we're going to go. We're going to think about what kind of choice are we making as we obey uh, the Lord. First, I want you to understand that it is a purposeful choice. And we're starting here at the end of verse 11, Philippians 2 verse 11. Is a choice of purpose because he says, as, um, as Jesus obeyed and we ought to obey, we ought to bow our knee, we ought to confess with our tongue that Jesus is Lord. And then notice the very last statement, to the glory of God the Father. That's the purpose there. That's the purpose. That's our purpose statement. Okay. It's a purposeful, purposeful choice and the the background behind that purpose is that we're going to glorify God. All that we do, okay, every time we obey the Lord, the purpose, the aim is to bring glory to God. Can you think of a better aim for life? Can you, can you think of a better purpose for life than the glory of God? We really can't. In fact, Isaiah 43, 7 says we have been created for His glory. Created for His glory. I think it was Paul that said over in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31 
that whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, do all to uh, the, the honor and glory of, of our Lord. Okay. First Peter uh, 4 verse 11, Peter says, If any man speaks, let him speak as it were the oracles of God. If any man serves, let him do it according to the strength which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through His Son, through, through Jesus the Savior. To Him be glory and dominion and power forever and ever. Can you think of a, a better aim in life than to glorify God? There really isn't. Never has the world seen the radiance of God's glory more than when Jesus came to this earth. When the gift of Jesus came to this earth and with him the gift of salvation, God's glory was really shining at that time. Notice Paul's words in 1 Timothy 1 verse 11. He says all that he did was, was according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. <clears throat> he said that has been committed to my trust. But Paul was reflecting upon things. He said, all that I write here and all that I do is according to the glorious gospel. The good news of Jesus. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. John 1.14 we read, of course, that Jesus the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Even the glory as of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. And so can you think of a better reason to obey than, than the glory of God? Specific, in a very specific way, what does it mean to glorify God? Well, again, let me encourage you, if you have, when you have opportunity, if, if you want to just do, I'll just tell you this. If you look up the word glory in the Bible and just follow that out, what a tremendous boost. It would be well worth our time. I'm not kidding. That we just showed up one time and just read the passages about the glory of God. It was just tremendous. But just in a nutshell, what, what does it mean to glorify God? Well, first, it means to honor Him, to praise Him, to worship Him at every opportunity that we have. But secondly, it means to push away from anything selfish. To eliminate any sort of selfish motivation, that, that's what it means to glorify God. Remember, remember what Paul says in Galatians 6 and 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. Yep. You remember what happened to Herod when he didn't give the glory to God, Acts chapter 12. You remember that? He was eaten up by worms. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says... Uh, let not the uh, wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Don't let the uh, mighty man glory in his might. But if anybody wants to focus on something, focus on this, he says, that you know the Lord. That you know the Lord. Okay. If you want to talk about something, talk about knowing uh, the Lord. Okay. And so first, to glorify God is to honor Him at every opportunity and then to push away from any sort of selfish motive, and then to glorify Him, of course, is to live such an obedient life that others also will want to come in and glorify God. Okay. Like we read in Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Okay. So that's the idea, to live such a submissive 
an obedient life to others also. They will, they'll want what you have. They'll see that difference in your life. And they also will want to know more about the Lord and about His scriptures. So first, it's a purposeful choice. Purposeful choice. Secondly, it's a humble choice. It's a humble choice. And we can easily choose this characteristic of choosing. Uh, Jesus humbled himself, it says here in in, uh, Philippians 2 verse 8. But more than that, the word obey means to place yourself under another person in order to listen and to understand and then to carry out. That's what the word obey means in the New Testament. To place yourself under another person. For us, of course, it's the Lord Jesus. But to place yourself under another person in order to listen, learn, to understand. And then once you understand, to carry that out, to submit, to to obey. There are two or three phrases here in Philippians 2 that really helps us have this this humble spirit. This humble choice. And look right here in verse 11 of Philippians 2. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice that phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord. That ought to be enough to make us humble. Jesus is a great term because it refers to Savior, the one who delivers us out of our sin. Galatians 1 verse 4 says that Jesus gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil world. He is the great deliverer. The word Christ is a great term. Because that's, that means that's the anointed one. The one who has been promised from way back, Old Testament times. And Jesus is that one. He is the Christ. Okay. And so that shows that God has had a long-standing plan to bring salvation uh, to this earth. So Christ is a tremendous term as well. Let's focus this minute though on the, word, on the idea of Lord. Lord Jesus Christ is Lord. Is Lord. I want us to think about that. That brings that humble choice right up to the forefront of our minds. Obedience is a humble choice because Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. This means that we recognize His sovereign right to command us and expect obedience. Right? All authority has been given unto Jesus, Matthew 28, 18, in heaven and on earth. We recognize He has the absolute right to command us, okay, and to expect submission to Him. This also means that we recognize our sacred privilege of obeying Him. And that's how we begin to dig deeper into obedience. It's not something that we just look at as as something that we have to do. But what an honor it is, what a sacred privilege it is to be able to understand to the point of obeying the Lord. Acts uh, chapter 11, 18. The Jewish people, those with good hearts, they came to the conclusion that God had granted repentance unto the Gentiles, repentance unto life for the Gentiles. Okay? Because they had to adjust uh, their minds to understanding that, that now God's special people would include both Jews and Gentiles. But notice the, the wording there in Acts 11, verse 18. God has granted, God has Given you the gift of repentance. He's given you the opportunity to to repent and obey. So Jesus being Lord means that we recognize uh, our sacred privilege 
of obeying him. But Jesus being Lord also uh, means that we obey him regardless. We obey him regardless of the cost. We obey him regardless of the consequences. We obey him regardless of whether or not we see a connection between what he has commanded and the desired result. Okay. Think about the, uh, the resistance of Naaman when the prophet told him about his leprosy. Second Kings chapter 5. That you need to go and dip in the Jordan seven times. He could not see. Naaman could not see the connection between what was being connected, connected, commanded. He couldn't see the connection between what was being commanded and what was the desired result. But finally, he submitted unto God's conditions, and, and lo and behold, he was cured of his leprosy. We we need to have that kind of submission to the Lord. We, he is our Lord. That means we obey regardless of cost, consequence, or whether we see the connection. In what he's doing or not. Sometimes God operates in ways that might not make complete sense to human beings. But eventually it, it might. But nonetheless we trust him because he knows what he's doing. We obey God because he is Lord. We obey him without question. Without question. Romans 9 19 to 23 mentions how that, that we are, uh, we're really the clay. And he, he's the potter. You know? we're, we're the creation and he's the creator. And that which has been made doesn't have a right to speak back and question uh, the one who has made us. Okay. So we obey without question because he is Lord. He is Lord. Because he is Lord, we obey without reservation. Without reservation. I think about Luke 1 when uh, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah who is doing his priestly work in the temple and um, he has good news for him that um, his wife who is well stricken in years is going to have a child and that child is going to be a, a great prophet, for worker for the Lord. He's going to name him John. Well, as you know, Zechariah, he, uh, he questions that. He says, how can I know this is going to be? And so he was struck with a condition, at least for on temporary basis, where he could not, he could not speak. He had to write out uh, his words. And so he was, he was resistant. He was, he was questioning God. He was, he was willing to obey. He was in the mode of obeying. He was in the mode of working for God. But he had some reservations about it. We, when Jesus is Lord... Jesus is Lord. We, we recognize his right to command us. We recognize our honor and privilege to be able to obey. We obey him without, you know, regardless of cost, regardless of consequence. And we obey him without questioning, without reservation, and without holding anything back. Where have we ever gotten, gotten the authority to hold anything back? Where is the authority in the scriptures? Where is the authority in the New Testament for us to do less than 110, 120% of seeking to please the Lord and obey Him and carry out the good works that He would have us to carry out? Where do we get the authority? There is no authority. There's no authority before the Lord to do anything halfway. 
or to leave off any of the uh, principles and commands he'd want us to obey. So don't you see here that obedience is a choice, okay? And that, uh, first of all, it's a purposeful choice, but also it's a, it's a humble choice. I think of the phrase here, before we leave the idea of being humble, I think of the phrase, he, is found, he was found in fashion as a man, here in Philippians 2. Jesus made himself, took the form of a servant, and was found in fashion as a man. Now I want you to think about something. In Philippians 2 verse 6, it says Jesus was on the equality with God. Now, when it says that, that refers, um, he was in the form of God, equality. That, that refers to his, his um, being God uh, from the inside out. Okay. On the inside, he was totally divine, heavenly, God. But when he came to earth, he was found in fashion as a man. He, he appeared like any other man. Okay. There was no halo about him. There was no glow about him. He appeared just like any other Jewish man. And it was prophesied about this. Isaiah 53, uh, verse 2, there there would be no form nor comeliness about uh, Jesus. Uh, He would have no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing about him that was particularly ugly or particularly uh, attractive. He was an ordinary man on the outside, but on the inside he had a great divine uh, nature. But that shows... His humility, doesn't it? Because he wanted to bring glory to God. You see. We too, as we seek to help other people, we need to be common people. We'll need to speak or dress in such a way that draws attention to ourselves, but simply be people who are serving the Lord. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5 that when he came into Corinth, he didn't come with an excellent speech or wisdom. But he came in the spirit and power of God so that people's faith would not rest on human wisdom, but would rest in in God himself. Let's see. And so when people saw Jesus Christ, they were attracted to him, not because of how he looked, but because of who he was and what he taught and what he could do and what he could do uh, for them and his life, his perfect life. They were attracted to him. And so we need to be humble. It's a humble choice. To obey is a humble uh, choice. And then in the third place, to obey is is a courageous choice. Notice here, still at the end of our paragraph here in Philippians 2, every tongue, because Jesus came, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now the word confess is very interesting. Very interesting. It means to speak the same thing. In other words, here Paul is meaning that we are to speak forth the same concept, the same ideals that God spoke about Jesus. What did God say about His Son? Well, we know that after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, Matthew 3, 
uh, 16 and 17, God spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We know that after the transfiguration um, encounter there in Matthew 17, especially Matthew uh, 17 verse 5, that God spoke uh, from heaven and said, This is my Son, my beloved Son, hear ye Him. Hear ye Him. In Acts 2, 22, Peter uh, in his sermon he said, um, this Jesus is a man approved to you by God by three things. By mighty works, wonders, and signs. Okay. Jesus did mighty works. When it says mighty works, that means that showed his power from God. When it says wonders, that's, that's the impact that the works had on the people. And it says signs, uh, that refers to the purpose of of Jesus' works, which, which was to show that he's the Son of God and also to show that his teachers were actually from heaven uh, or speaking from heaven themselves. Okay. But notice that this is a courageous choice because we are willing to speak forth the same things about Jesus as God has spoken and live them out in our lives. To obey the gospel is supposed to be a courageous choice. Because it involves the good confession. Okay. Certainly it involves hearing because that's how our faith comes. Uh, Romans ten seventeen. Certainly it involves faith because Hebrews eleven six says without faith it's impossible to be pleasing unto God. Certainly as we read from Acts eleven eighteen it involves uh, repentance, turning away from this, this world's habits, this world's sins, your own sins, turning away from those. It certainly involves being immersed in water for the remission of sins, but just before that, it involves the good confession. And that is a courageous choice if you know what you're doing. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, notice how Paul brings up the good confession. He says to Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession among many witnesses. Now notice this. Paul was called, Timothy was called, if, if you become a Christian, you are called by the gospel to submit to Jesus, to show all that Jesus is about and then, then to submit uh, to him. And part of that submission, part of that calling is to make the good confession uh, among many witnesses. And that's, that's some of the most important words that you'll ever say. Okay. Or that, that is one of the most affirmative, um, it, it, I would say it's the most affirmative statement you can ever make is that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because when you say that and you're baptized uh, into Christ, you are saying, I completely, totally agree with all that Jesus is about. And I am here forth making the commitment to live for Him no matter what that brings to my life. He is first. His kingdom is first. So it's a courageous choice. To obey is a courageous choice. But of course the Bible has more to say about 
confessing than, than making the good confession initially. This is something that we continue to do. Jesus uh, says in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father. But he, but he that denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father. Mark eight thirty eight, the Lord says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, of him I will be ashamed whenever um, I come again in, uh, toward the Father's glory with all the angels. When I come again, I'll be ashamed of him then. See, we need to continue to have the courage to defend our Lord. Defend our Lord. As Jude writes in Jude verse 3, we need to contend for the faith. Contend for it. Fight for it. Okay, speak up for it. Okay. And in our world today, there are plenty of opportunities uh, to do just that. There's, there's so much that is false. And then there is so much in antagonistic words and lies being thrown against Jesus that we have the opportunity to speak up uh, for him. Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 16 that uh, he had been set, he felt like, that God in his providence had set him right where he was, and that was in prison, uh, in order to defend faith. He says, I'm set for the defense of the gospel. He, he, he wanted to have that opportunity, and we need to make be ready for that opportunity as well. Peter says in 1 Peter uh, 3 and verse 15, Sanctify in your hearts Jesus as Lord, and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks about the reason of the hope uh, that is in you. The early followers of Jesus, in, we read in the New Testament, as we read through the New Testament writings, the early followers, they didn't just defend the Lord, they invaded people's lives. You know, they weren't invited, as you read through the book of Acts, they were not invited into these synagogues. They went to these synagogues. They knew people would be there. They were looking for opportunities uh, to speak. When they got those opportunities, they would speak about the Lord Jesus, sometimes a great amount of stir was created. Sometimes there was even violence um, thrown at Paul and, and his co-workers. But nonetheless, they continued to do this. You see, to obey is a courageous choice. But then, let's make a couple other uh, points about obedience and we'll be done. To obey is an inconvenient choice. Just reading on the surface here, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, you see that if Jesus had had even a smidgen of selfishness in him, he would have stayed in heaven. I mean, he, he's in the very form of God. But he didn't count being on the equality of God a thing to be grasped. Okay. So he emptied himself, took the form of a servant, Allowed himself to become in fashion as a man. Okay. At best, this was inconvenient to Jesus. Think about what he said as he's, uh, as he's praying there in John 17, verse 5. And this is close to the cross. This is getting close to the time when he will, will eventually, in just a few days, be able to go back and be at the right hand of God. Go back uh, to the throne 
of God. He said in John 17, verse 5, he said, Father, uh, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Think about that. Jesus, before he came to this earth, even before this world was created, he had all the glory of God. Now, I was trying to point out earlier about doing a word study of glory. When you study the word glory, it just overwhelms your mind with a lot of, of, of radiance and, and thoughts that really cannot be put into uh, words. That was Jesus. He had that incredible elevated position, but he left that. He left that. And so we can see that obedience is an inconvenient uh, choice. You see, we're ready to serve sometimes if, if, if it's on my way, if it fits into my schedule, if it doesn't take too long, if it's pleasant, then I'm with you. I'm with you. But otherwise, count me out. Okay. Not all the time, of course, but there, those are the kinds of temptations that Satan uh, sends our ways. We need to make sure that we're not obeying simply out of, out of convenience. Think about the examples uh, in Scripture. Remember the, the Good Samaritan, the Jesus story, and the man who was left robbed and, and left half dead and all beaten, and how that the priest and Levite uh, just couldn't see fit, even though they would have enormous resources to help that man. They just could not see themselves being able to help the man, but this certain Samaritan did, and he himself was on a journey. Okay, he was just as busy as the priest and Levite, but he he was able to carve out time in his life. He he remained flexible enough in his life to to get done what the Lord would have him uh, to do. I also think about that great couple we read about in the Book of Acts, Aquila and Priscilla. They had their own business. If you've got somebody who has their own business, they own their own business, you're looking at someone who is consumed concerning their time. Their time is consumed. Okay. They are constantly, they have no choice, they are constantly about uh, their business. Quill and Priscilla had their own tent-making business. Okay. And at some, at some points in the ministries, uh, they worked uh, with Paul uh, in this. But nonetheless, we read about them that uh, like in Romans 16, verse 3, they laid down their neck. They, they sacrificed themselves. They, they gave of themselves uh, in order to help uh, further the gospel. Someone has said that the straightest course to heaven demands that we go out of our way. That's a great thing to remember. The straightest course to heaven demands that we go out of our way. Is it the case is it possible that there are souls that are lost because we felt like it was just not convenient to try to serve and to, and to help them? You know? Is it possible that, this, that Satan can tempt us and uh, cause us to start thinking like the world, looking for quick fixes about souls instead of, as we mentioned this morning, when we build that foundation on rock, okay, it's, going, it's going to take time, and an effort and expense, and oftentimes it's not going to be convenient. You see, obedience is an inconvenient 
choice. And then finally, this evening, we'll say that obedience is a painful choice. Because here in Philippians 2, Paul says, Jesus became obedient unto death, uh, even the death of the cross. Before you think about that, think about how the fact that, that Jesus, it says there in Philippians 2, was made in the likeness of men. Just that decision alone brought about pain for Jesus because in heaven he has all glory. But think about how that if, when you come to this earth, you live as a human, that's automatic pain. That's automatic pain. I mean, emotionally, physical pain. He lived as a human being here. Okay. We see him in John eleven thirty five. He's crying over uh, the death of Lazarus. He's, he's suffering. He's, he's groaning in his body. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4, that in this body, this tabernacle, we groan. Okay. There's, there's emotional pain. There's physical pain. And you and I know this by experience. Just that decision alone of, of leaving glory to be made in the likeness of man, man Jesus knew that would, brought, that would bring pain. But he also knew that there would be the pain of the cross. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We just say the word cross, we say, we know automatically pain. We think of pain. Especially in Jesus' case where they whipped him and they placed a crown of thorns on his head. And they mocked him and then they nailed him uh, to that tree. And that's nothing but pain. But if we're going to be obedient, you know, Jesus even says to us in Luke 9, uh, 23, that we've got to take up our cross every day and, and follow him. Okay. But as we end here, let's think about the Lord Jesus. Because if anything motivates us to be obedient, it would be him. I wanted us this evening to understand obedience is a choice, of course. It's a choice that has purpose behind to glorify God. It is a, a humble choice, without doubt. It's a courageous choice. It's most definitely an inconvenient choice. And it's a painful choice. Now, in Galatians uh, chapter 3, I, when I see the cross, I think of curse. Galatians 3 verse 10 says, We are under a curse because cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Okay. That puts everybody under a curse because none of us can keep the laws and principles of God. Okay. But in the Old Testament it says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And then notice here in Galatians uh, 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung, who is hanged on a tree. Okay. So there's a curse upon us because we're sinful. There's an overriding curse on anyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus was willing to become a curse for us. So that we can be redeemed. So we can be forgiven. 
And that in itself ought to motivate us to want to be obedient unto him, to have this obedient mind uh, and grow in that uh, from here on out. Now Paul does say in Philippians 2, every, because of what Jesus has done, because God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord and every knee should bow. And really we know because of our uh, comparative reading of Romans 14, 10 to 12 that um, it's just a matter of, of when, not if. When will we confess? When will we bow to the Lord? If we don't do it now, we will all certainly do it on Judgment Day. When will I do it? Will I do it now? Or will the Lord make me do it on Judgment Day? And of course... The best thing, the only thing really to do when you think about the punishment of God, the only thing to do is to submit to Him now, confess Him now, bow to Him uh, now. Thank you so much for going through uh, Philippians 2 uh, with me, this short paragraph, and seeing again the importance of having an obedient uh, mind. And certainly that's the kind of mind that Jesus Himself uh, had and has. And so we offer the invitation this evening, it might be, that there is one here who, thinking about their Lord and all that He's done, and as I said, we, we, haven't, we haven't even uh, touched on a lot of the marvelous thoughts about Jesus coming to this earth, but thinking about what uh, Jesus has done for us and all that He left for us and all that He is for us, uh, are you ready to grow in your faith? To the point of turning from your sin, confessing your faith, confessing that you believe that Jesus is Lord and being baptized for remission of sins. If that's your case or if we can help in any way, please make it known right now as we stand together, as we sing.